Would you please help me welcome to the stage Miss Jamie Rittenauer as she comes to share. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. So, Jamie, real quick, I just want to kind of uh, have have you hit on just really briefly. Why did you jump into the world of politics? Did you lose a bet? Did like <laughs> did somebody like twist your arm? Like, tell us a little bit about your heart as an evangelist. But you're you're running for governor, so why? Yeah, I just like last service. It's a really simple, easy conversation. I never wanted to be in politics. It was not on my bucket list. Um, so there we go. That's it. <laughs> so if you never wanted to be in politics, the next step is God's going to call you to run for governor. Right, so, right, uh, exactly. <laughs> um, about You're five years everybody. ago. You're scaring everybody. Oh, I know. Right <laughs> in this congregation, seriously. Um, about five years ago, I, I got a calling. It was just a whisper in my ear. I was in downtown Indianapolis. It was simply, you're going to be the governor of the state of Indiana. I tell everybody the same story because I walk by faith, and if I change that story, for some reason, I get in the middle of it, and that's not my intention. Um, I put that calling on the shelf, which I, I think when the Lord whispers something like that to you, it's wise to put it up and wait for his confirmation. Over five years later, I was in Panera meeting with someone about prayer, about this issue, and a woman came up to me and she said, what does the Lord have to say to you? And then she said, the Lord has put in you a love and it is a love for more than just your family. It is a love for all the people and you need to walk in that love. I had only told my husband with that calling, it came with a love. I cannot describe this love. I'm a worship leader and I really truly love the body of Christ. And so what I can tell you is it's more like I just see more people. That's what it's like. If you're in the grocery store, you normally see the people around you. Every person, I see every person. And whether you hate me or you love me, I feel like every person is my person. I don't know how else to say that. So that love came. And the next week, same Panera, right? Everybody's always asking me, where is this Panera? This is I know. An, this is I know. An it's crazy. Panera, right? I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's other things. But same Panera, this man walked up to us and same witness was there. I always travel with a witness. And this man walked up and he said to my friend, um, God bless you. She said, God bless you. Jesus is Lord. And he said, he is the Lord. He's the everlasting to everlasting. And he said, do you know the Lord? And she said, I do. And then he turned and looked at me for the first time. And he said, the people do not know how much the father loves them. He gave his son. And then he said to me, you have a calling on your life and it is a calling for your future and you need to let your past go, and you need to allow the Lord to renew your mind that you might approve what the pure and acceptable will of God is, and he walked right out the door. So after do you, that... Do you think that that... The Bible says we've entertained angels unaware. Do you, do you ever look back and be like, that, that has to be an angel? Like, do you think that that's the case in this, in this situation? Yeah, you know, you guys, I've walked with Jesus for over 20 years. As I said, I'm a worship leader. I've done women's ministry. I've done high school ministry, junior high ministry, drug and alcohol ministry. I have seen God move profoundly. I have never seen anything like this before in my life. And it is very common that we will encounter people and things will happen. And we are just going, what is going on right now? But see, that's what's exciting because we're in a time in our nation right now where there is a move where it seems as if evil is triumphing. But what we know is greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And so God always has a plan and we're walking in that. 
Well, Jamie's going to take us into John chapter 4 today and the idea of how God sees the people. Just like what she said, God is increasing her love and he's increasing her eyes to see people around her. That's our prayer for each one of us in this room is to see people the way God sees them and to see who God sees. And so let me pray for you and then we'll have you uh, take us right into the word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're doing here at Life Church. God, thank you for what you're doing through Jamie, through her family, through her calling, God, to go into a dark world such as that as the political environment, but also more so, Lord, just going into the world. And Lord, as she shares today, I pray that, again, you give us the ears to hear and the hearts to receive your word. Lord, anything of you, let it be solidified in our hearts. Anything not of you, let it just fall to the wayside. Father, thank you for what you're doing at Life Church and raising up godly men and women, warriors in your kingdom who walk in your love, your strength, your power, and your anointing. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We're going to be in John chapter 4. So they used to say, turn your Bibles. Now they say, turn on your phones. I love this passage of scripture. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat Thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Let's just start off with the setting here. The heart of the message is evangelism. The setting, this is the area where the northern kingdom had fallen to the Assyrians. It was around about 720 BC. And when the Assyrians came in, they intermarried with the Jewish people. And so you had paganism and Judaism. So one of the things you need to know about the setting is this is, this is where we're at. We're in Samaria, and this is the background. There was intermarriage, and you have paganism and Judaism. You also have the reality that the Sumerian residents at one point in time turned back to the Lord to worship Jehovah, but they only acknowledged the first five books of the Old Testament. Okay, so you've got some tension building here. You've got the intermarriage where there's paganism and Judaism. You've got their acknowledgement of only the first five books as inspired. And then you have during the time of exile with Ezra and Nehemiah, when they begin to rebuild the temple and the wall, you have the Samaritans offering to help them. And the Jews say, no, no, we do not want your help. 
And so what the Samaritans do is they went and they got their own place to worship. And that place is on that same mountain that we're talking about today. So it's important to understand the setting because this is a very tense environment where Jesus is encountering this woman. Now, can I ask you, we're talking about evangelism. Now, you might have the gift of evangelism, so if you do, this question is not for you because if I ask you, you'll be like, oh, this is totally easy. But for most of us, when it comes to evangelism, it can be uncomfortable. Is that a fair statement? Evangelism can be a bit uncomfortable. Okay, so I'm going to take you to a place where it's uncomfortable. Here we have Jesus. He's encountering this woman. And it tells us right there in verse 4, he needed to go through Samaria. Point number one, be led by the Spirit. So important. We are oftentimes when we go on a missions trip, we will get on the plane and we will say, Lord, I pray when I get on the plane that I can share the gospel with somebody. But when we get on the plane to go to Florida for vacation, we say, Lord, please let the aisle just be for me. Right? The difference is our mindset. So the question becomes, when the Holy Spirit is leading you, are you listening? Here, it says that he needed to go to Samaria, and so that's what Jesus does. He goes to Samaria. We see here in verse 7 that Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Point number two, Jesus knocks on hearts. Notice that he doesn't go to her right away and say, I know everything about your life. Do you see that? No, instead, he brings up a conversation that she can relate to. And, and for a moment, can we just, can we think about this? The Bible says in Genesis chapter one, this is the message speaking. It says, God spoke sky in the middle of the waters, separate water from water. God made sky. It goes on to say, verse 9 and 10, God spoke, separate, water beneath heaven, gather into one place, land appear. And there it was. God named the land earth. He named the pooled water ocean. God saw that it was good. Can we have a minute for the God that created the ocean is now saying to this woman, please give me a drink. I mean, what a moment. Which takes us to our third point. Do you see how relational he is? Jesus is all about the relationship. My friends, if you know the Lord, when I say he's all about the relationship, there should be an amen. If you don't know that he's all about the relationship, can I submit to you? It would be a good thing to ask yourself if you know him. Right, does not love tell you the truth? The Bible says that love does not rejoice in iniquity, love rejoices in the truth. I was at a gathering at a place, remain nameless, and I had these two women come up to me. 
I actually did not say this first service, so I might get in trouble. Um, the Lord gave me a love for these people. They came up to me. I carry my Bible everywhere I go. And these women said to me that they were from the LGBT community and right there on the spot asked me what I felt about that as a Christian. So I prayed and I said to them, have you ever heard of the word agape? They said, no. And I said, that's the biblical word for love. Oh, well, we don't do Christianity. I said, that's okay. I'm still going to tell you the biblical word for love. I said, the Bible says that love does not rejoice in evil. It rejoices in the truth, but it says that it's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't self-seeking. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love always hopes. Love always believes. Love never fails. And so I said, you ask me what I feel about you, and I say to you, I agape you. And then this, this woman said to me, well, then you must believe as I believe. And I said, yes, but wait, we said we would be honest because the Bible says that love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love rejoices in the truth. So I can tell you that I do not believe this is a biblical relationship. And I can also tell you that I agape you and both can be true at the same time. That is the gospel. That's the gospel. And so when we stand in our world where we're uncomfortable, my friends, we have to remember that what we carry upon us is the love of God the creator of the universe. Somebody's asked me before, like, are you afraid? I'm like, what are you talking about? Afraid of what? Do we not know he who numbers our days? Not one of us can change that. The Bible says that he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. And so here we see that Jesus is all about the relationship. He goes on to say, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her this, listen, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, which brings us to the fourth point, man has a need. Man has a need. If you're saved, you have an advantage. Guess what? No matter what someone says to you about what they think they need, the truth, according to the eternal word of God, is they have a need for Christ. What an advantage. Whenever I'm talking to a person about Jesus, I know what's going on. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that he put in us eternity. So every single person that's out there trying to go after a relationship, being involved in sin, I'll tell you right now in this room, if you are here in this room and you are tampering with sin, let me tell you why you're doing that. Because the Lord has created you a hole for him and you choose your flesh over the spirit. That's what happens. And you're filling your need with something that's not Jesus. And so here's what I can tell you and not even know you. It will not satisfy you. It will not. Because Jesus says, when you drink from that water, you will thirst again. But when you drink from the living water, you will not thirst again. 
Psalm 23 says, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. We see that Jesus addresses her need, which is sin, right? We see that he says, go call your husband. She says, I have no husband. And then they talk about how she's had four husbands and the husband that she's with is not even her husband. She then kind of changes to, she wants to change the story a bit. And so she starts talking about, you know, where they're worshiping. Well, our fathers worshiped on this. She's just changing the subject. Our fathers worshiped on this hill. And Jesus, what does he do? He brings it right back to him, which is the fifth point. My friends, it is all about Jesus. Listen to me. Every man in this room. It is all about Jesus. I say to you, if the men in this room and all the men in the United States of America that knew Jesus Christ, not only stood for him, but knelt before him, but praised him and worshiped him, this nation would change. Because he's created you for it. The Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. So I say to you, all of my brethren, it doesn't matter if you fall, you get back up. And when you get back up, you stand. And when you stand, you stand as he's given you the courage to stand. Because in you is eternity, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I'm telling you, the enemy is trying to rip you off. But you must stand. Because that is what God has created you to do. That is what we need. We need the men of this country. I am not a woman that leads to push you down. I am a sister in Christ that is here to exhort you and to lift you up. You must stand. You must tell your sons to stand. And as the women in this congregation, what we do is we encourage you and we lift you up and we tell you, we know they're shooting arrows at you all the time. Let me equip you. Listen to me. Let me equip you. In your mind, imagine the person you love. Get a picture of them. Put a verse over it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And when the enemy shoots a dart at your mind, you recall that picture. And you fight fire with fire. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And so you must stand, my friends. Don't be condemned. Stand. It's all about Jesus. We know that the Lord is faithful. We see in verse 26. That Jesus says to her when she says, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. We see that Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. 
In Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, to Moses he says, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. When he's in the garden and Judas is betraying him, John 18, verse 4 says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things, he wasn't surprised at COVID. There wasn't a moment up in heaven where he went, wow, did you just see COVID? Wow. The way that Christians talk nowadays, they act like our God is surprised. If you think he's surprised, you don't know him. He's always in control. No one is greater. People tell me whenever they come to know the Lord, they don't have an emotional feeling. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes it's not. But you go and tell me that your life wasn't changed and I'm going to have a problem with that. Because we're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you. You're saying your life didn't change? Go back. Pray. You should change. These younger generations that are in here, these people that are coming at you with all their lives, you hold within you the hope of eternity. You are equipped. You take the word of God and you study his word. And when they lie, you call them out and you tell them that's a lie, that's not true. And let me tell you why you do it. You don't do it to be right. You do it because the Bible says that love, love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It's our love that has to drive us. Because when it's not our love, we sound like a clanging cymbal. And I ran into that too. That does not work. Can you imagine if he would have, if Jesus would have said to her, like, first thing he said, I know you. I know what you've been doing wrong. I know all about your life. She's already there around the noon hour. The hottest hour of the day. Commentators think it's because she was so ashamed. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords that knows every single thing she's done. He does not go there. First, he relates to her. And so we look again. We see be led by the spirit. We see knock on hearts. Be about the relationship. Man has a need. It's all about Jesus. When you encounter Jesus, what happens? Verse 39 Actually, in 28, it says, the woman then left her water, part, water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Here's the thing. I've, I've worked corporate America for some time. I'm like actually the opposite. I started at the top at 26, and I just kept kind of working down because I just wanted to be in full-time ministry. I was like, please, please. I've been a worship leader for 20 years, you know? So it was like, oh, I just want to be called into full-time ministry. And he kept pulling me back in. In corporate America, oftentimes they leave Jesus out of it. I just, I think it's like amazing. 
You know what I mean? Like business people will come to church on Sunday and they will say amen. But then on Monday, it's like, I got to go to work. And so I just ask, the Bible says, if you ask for wisdom, you'll receive it. Where is the ask? Where is the acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your path straight? Right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in some of your ways. Just when you're at church. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. When people come to me for counsel and they say, I've gotten off the path, I'm like, well, let's just go back. Let's find out where you stopped listening. The most beautiful thing that you have is you have the Holy Spirit in you. Do you understand that he could have left us without the Spirit? He could have just saved us and left us here and said, see you in eternity. But he didn't do that. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, which means inside of you, inside of you is the hope of glory. The, the building should be bursting because inside of you is the hope of glory. And so you take that hope of glory to the world. And whenever the world looks dark, you don't go, whoa, that's dark. You step in and you say, don't worry, we have the light. We have it confused in America. Just notice, it's not the same in other countries. Other countries you go, you can share the gospel. It's different. In America, we walk very independently as Christians. We don't depend on the Lord as much. But the Bible says that the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Do you see, we have, it, we have it all twisted in our minds in America because we think so much of ourselves. Right? We think a lot of ourselves here. You wanna see a desperate Christian, go to China. Go to Africa where they don't have food. Those Christians can pray. They have some kind of faith. Here in America, we think the harvest is few, but we, the laborers, are so many. No. The harvest, my friends, is plentiful. That means in your circle of influence right now, there's probably people in your life that need to know Jesus, and you haven't said a word to them because we missed point one. We just weren't led by the Spirit. But the greatest thing we can do is humble ourselves. The Bible says, humble yourselves, and he will lift you up. One day, you will see him. It's not with your mom or your dad. You won't be there with your husband or your wife. It's just you. The Bible says in Revelation that his hair is white like wool and his eyes are like fire. That written on his thigh is the word faithful and true. You will see him. And so then you have to ask yourself, what am I doing now? Are you living for what you were meant for? 
Do you have the eternal perspective? Do you understand this is not your home? He's not about saving America. For God so loved the world. His love goes way past America. It's like Joshua. When Joshua said, who are you for? Me or my enemies? And the Lord's like, neither. But as commander of the Lord of hosts, I have now come. I mean, what a reckoning. The King of kings and the Lord of lords that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. You can do it now or you can do it later, but you're going to do it. The word of God says you're going to do it. So that is our choice that we have today. Your life empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can move mountains. As a worship leader, I was singing that song, Mighty to Save. Savior. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. And this little kindergartner's like, excuse me. I'm like, okay. Uh, do, you really move, do, you, do you really think he can move the mountains? You know what's funny? The adults in the room literally were looking at me like, ooh. <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm singing it, I believe it. I don't know about other people, but yes, he can move the mountain. I'm telling a five-year-old he can move a mountain. You know why they don't want to say that to a five-year-old? Because the Bible says you need faith like a child. And that five-year-old will go outside and say, hey, mountain, you need to move. Because they have faith. So I explained to him, the question is, does he want to? But certainly he can move it. When we look at evangelism in the heart of evangelism, we want to be led by the Spirit. We want to knock on hearts, be about the relationship, know that man has a need, and that it's all about Jesus. We're going to have the prayer team come up. The problem is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The solution is very simple. God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's just super simple. He turned the world upside down with fishermen. He kept it simple. The response to all who believe and have accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In this room, I can tell you something. I got into my car today and I turned on the radio. And the first thing I heard was this pastor, who I'm so sorry, I don't know the name, and all he said was evangelism. I was like, that's today's topic. <laughs> and then he said this, the church is supposed to be the force for evangelism. 
but it has become the field of evangelism. That tells me that in this room, there's probably somebody here that doesn't know the Lord. You've been faking the funk, hanging out at church, acting like you know Jesus, but you don't know him. And I tell you today that today is the day of salvation. And I bring you that message because he gave it to me this morning. If you're a man in this room and you don't know Jesus, you better get on your knees. Because the enemy's got a target on you and he is trying to take you down. Because the Bible knows that a man that is walking in the Holy Spirit's power is a powerful man. So he will do everything he can to keep you away from the Lord. And so I say to you, do not keep walking away from him. Today, today is the day of salvation. If you're a man in this room and you've, you're saved, but you have not been walking in the boldness and you haven't been leading your family, I know you're in here because I see you. You must change. You must ask for forgiveness. You must repent and you must walk in the boldness of the Holy Spirit because he is the Lord and he calls you out. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. You are his son and he loves you. He's not mad at you. The Bible says when a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. He loves you. So that if that is you, you get up out of your seat and you go over here and you ask for prayer and you let these people lay hands on you and ask that the power of the Holy Spirit would be upon you. And you walk out of this building encouraged in the Holy Spirit because he's brought that to you today. Do not stay in your seat if the Holy Spirit speaks to you today. Do you hear me? You rise up. You take advantage of his moment. This isn't my moment. This is your moment. And you say yes. And I say to every woman in this room, if your man gets up, you get up too. And you follow him. And don't repeat a word that's ever happened before this because the Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs. So you step that out and you walk as God has called you to walk because he loves you, because he loves you. I'm gonna pray for you and I'm gonna ask you to go. I don't care if the place is crowded or if there's just one, but this I can tell you, the Holy Spirit has moved in this room. And so my friends, answer. Say yes. I feel we're just gonna call you up. We're just gonna call you up and we're just gonna let you stand at the front right around here. And Micah's gonna take over. 
because the Holy Spirit's impressing on me that he's telling it to many people in this room. He's telling you to stand. And he also wants you to stand because your wives and your children are here and they need to see you stand. And so I'm gonna pray and I want you to come. And I tell you, if you're the elders of the church and the Holy Spirit's moving, you better move. Because these men in this room need you. Let's pray, my friends. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.